we'll take it from there. <clears throat> All right. Father, we thank you this morning for the opportunity to be here and to have fellowship. Holy Spirit, as we are about to learn from you, we acknowledge our insufficiency and our limited knowledge. We pray that you will reveal yourself to us, that we will experience you for ourselves, so that we can testify of who you are to others. In the name of Jesus, amen. Right, <clears throat> so today we're going to talk about <clears throat> the person of the Holy Spirit. I believe that last week we introduced um, the Holy Spirit as a person. And we said that the Holy Spirit is a person. And today we are just going to go a little deeper. <clears throat> talking about the Holy Spirit as a person. So today we are discussing the person of the Holy Spirit. And we are using the scripture again as our anchor scripture. We read it last week. We are going to read it again. <clears throat> John chapter 16. From verse 5 to verse 11, the Bible says, But now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you ask me where you are going. But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to the Father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. And so Jesus Christ, when he was leaving his disciples and the disciples were sorrowful when they were sad that the man they have walked with, the man they have come to know as the Messiah, the one who has provided their needs, the one who has sent their prayer request to the Father, the one who they could run up to when they are in need, when they needed any explanation, when they, he has spoken a parable and they don't understand, the one who explained the law to them, the one who they, had, they saw as the promise of the Father who was living with them. When he was about to leave, these guys were sorrowful. Last week, I mentioned that at the time when Jesus Christ was leaving, the disciples were not in the good books of the Jewish people, and they were not in the good books of the Roman people. And so, their only hope was the presence of Jesus Christ. And Jesus was telling them that, I am going to leave you. And so, it was a very hard time for them. They were very sad. They were very sorrowful that Jesus was going to leave them. But Jesus said, I have something even more better for you guys. Because I am going to leave and I'll ask the Father to send the Holy Spirit to you. And so, Jesus Christ believes that the Holy Spirit was better than him being here. Some people have said that the Holy Spirit is Jesus Unlimited. Is Jesus unlimited because the Holy Spirit can be with all of us at the same time, can be in our heart, can be at every meeting at the same time, can work, can minister at every place at the same time. So the Holy Spirit is actually Jesus unlimited. Jesus that has been made available in so many different um, pieces and forms. And so Jesus said that the presence of the Holy Spirit is better for us now when we take our time to think about the end the end reason why Jesus Christ came to die on the cross 
it was for us to be able to contain the presence of the Holy Spirit. Yes, Jesus Christ died on the cross so that our sins will be forgiven. But that was not the end. It was not the end for, for his death. It wasn't the final goal. The final goal when Jesus Christ died on the cross, our sins was were forgiven. And then we were able to have the Holy Spirit live inside of us. So the actual end goal was that the Holy Spirit, which was God, the presence of God, will come and abide with us. If this was the end goal of the death of Jesus Christ, then this must be something very precious and very important. That Jesus had to die for us to be cleansed of our sins so that we could contain the presence of God. So that the Holy Spirit will come and live inside of us. Then this must be something very important. And so Jesus told his disciples that it is to your advantage that I go so that the Holy Spirit will come. And so the end goal of the death of Jesus Christ was that we could be reunited with God and that we could have the presence of the Holy Spirit with us. So that makes it very important for us to know why does God wants us to have the presence? What can we gain from having the presence of the Holy Spirit? What are we supposed to do with the presence of the Holy Spirit? If this was so important to God that he would let the Holy Spirit come and be with us, then what can we do with the presence? What are we supposed to do with the presence of the Holy Spirit? And this is something that a lot of us have neglected in our Christian life. Yes, we know that the Holy Spirit is with us. Yes, we know that he lives with us. But what are we doing? What are we supposed to do with that presence? It's what we are all missing out. And the more we learn about him, the more we know what we are supposed to do with the presence of the Holy Spirit. And in the scripture we read last week from 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14, it says, May the grace of our Lord Jesus, or the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship, and the koinonia, and the... the um, participation of the Holy Spirit be with you. And that is what we have to do. Fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Now, in Luke chapter 3, verse 21 to 31, uh, sorry, to 22, it talks about the baptism of Jesus Christ. It says that when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus was also baptized. So this is Jesus Christ standing in line to be baptized. He allowed all the people to be baptized and then it got to his turn. That was the humility of Jesus Christ. That even though he was God, he did not cut the line. He did not see himself as more important than the other people who were in line to be baptized. He stood in line, waited for his turn. As a matter of fact, the Bible says he allowed all the people to be baptized and then he also came to be baptized. That's how humble Jesus Christ is. You know, there are very important people we have here on earth. We will not allow them to stand in line. If, like the president, there's no way the president will stand in line for anything. He will definitely cut the line. And everybody in the line will understand. But the king of kings, the lord of lords, the humility, that's why the Bible says he made himself of no reputation. That he came to be baptized just like any other person. And the Bible says, as he was baptized... He prayed. This also opens a revelation to us, an understanding that we have to take very, very seriously. That Jesus Christ, even though he was observing what might seem like a ritual, Bible says he prayed. The account of Matthew does not tell us that Jesus Christ prayed. 
But the account of Luke tells us that when Jesus Christ was going to be baptized, he prayed. Anything that we do in, um, in church or in the house of God or in relation to our faith must be done through prayer. I mean, I have had the, um, the opportunity of um, leading people into baptism, water baptism. There are people that we put into the water and as soon as we lift them up out of the water, they start speaking in tongues. They just receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit instantly. I mean, that's not what I'm discussing this morning. But all I'm saying, what we can learn from this text is whatever thing that we, we do in church, even the things that we see as rituals like the communion, like baptism, we have to prayerfully partake in those things. Jesus Christ prayed as he was being baptized. And the Bible says the heaven opened and the Holy Spirit descended in a bodily form like a dove upon him. The Bible says the Holy Spirit descended in a bodily form. This is one demonstration of the Trinity, of the fact that the Trinity can exist simultaneously. We see Jesus Christ in the water and the Holy Spirit descended in a bodily form, in the form of a dove. And we hear the voice of the Father saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Now there has been a lot of misunderstanding with this text. When the Bible says the Holy Spirit descended in a bodily form as a dove. Some people have even taught that the Holy Spirit is a dove. But the Holy Spirit is not a dove. And today as we discuss the person of the Holy Spirit, we will see that he is not a dove. Some people have also used, but these are all symbols that are ways that the Holy Spirit has manifested himself in the Bible as we have seen. The Bible says he descended in a bodily form like a dove, but does not say that the Holy Spirit is a dove. In a lot of places, the dove has been used to represent the symbol of the Holy Spirit. But the, Holy, the Bible never said that the Holy Spirit is a dove. He says he came in a bodily form like a dove. And that's why we have to pay attention to every single word in a text. Especially when you're going to make a doctrine out of the text. You know, the Bible says the Holy Spirit descended like a dove. It, that it did not say that the Holy Spirit is a dove. In another form, the Bible says the Holy Spirit descended upon them in, in, a, in a tongue, like a tongue of fire. It does not say that the Holy Spirit is fire. It does not say so in some other scriptures, the Holy Spirit manifests himself or announces his presence like a wind. The Bible never says that the Holy Spirit is a wind. It doesn't say that, that, but these are all symbols that have been used to represent the Holy Spirit. Mainly because they are ways that the Holy Spirit has manifested himself or demonstrated himself to the world. And so people, the Holy Spirit has been symbolically called water, fire, light, oil, or, or, or wind, or um, even a dove. But these things... Does not, it's not who the Holy Spirit is, but he uses those things to manifest himself. This, these are things that he has used in the past to manifest himself or to show himself. And so whenever we read this scripture, whenever we see um, people using the dove to represent the Holy Spirit, we should know that the Holy Spirit is not a dove. The Holy Spirit is, pers is a person. As a matter of fact, the Holy Spirit is God. And we have to understand that he's not a dove. He's not wind. He's not fire. He's not water. He's not oil. But the Holy Spirit. All these things are symbols that have been used to represent the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit is God. 
in Acts chapter 5, verse 3 to 4, when Ananias and Sapphira did not bring um, the full money. And it's not because they didn't bring the full money, but it's because of the lie they told. They could have given half of the money and said, this is, we sold our land for this much and we are bringing half. And nobody would have, <laughs> nobody would have, would have had any issue with them. But they, they chose to lie. And in chapter 3, Peter said to Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? So first he says, you are lying to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the piece of the land for yourself. While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but you've lied to God. And so Peter in this submission was telling Ananias and telling us as well that the Holy Spirit is God. And so even though Ananias told a lie to the Holy Spirit, Peter again emphasized in verse 4 that you have not lied to men, but you have lied to God. And so Peter is saying that you have lied to the Holy Spirit who is God. And so you have lied to God. And so Peter was telling us in this text that the Holy Spirit is God. And so all the symbols that has been used to represent the Holy Spirit, that is not who he is. But when we pay close attention to, to the Bible, we see that the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit has the attributes of God. And we can see that from Scripture. The Holy Spirit is omnipresent. The Holy Spirit is omniscient. The Holy Spirit is omnipotent. Oh, these attributes are attributes of God and God alone. No one can have these attributes. No entity can have this attribute except God. So the Holy Spirit is God. He has all the attributes of God. He's omnipresent. He's omnisense. He's omnipotent. And so the, he is God by himself. Amen. The Holy Spirit is a person. And we can see that he has attribute of a person. Now, when the Holy Spirit is mentioned as the third person in the Trinity, it does not mean that he's the least powerful among the three. It does not mean that in rank he's the least important. No, but they are all the same. They are God. That's the mystery of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It does not, it is not an arrangement in, 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 in rank, but it's the way that we have presented them. And some people have said that is the way that they revealed themselves to us. Last week, I remember mentioning that in the Old Testament, we see God, who is El Shaddai. El Shaddai, who is the Almighty God, Adonai, reveal himself to people, reveal himself to Abraham, interact with the people of the Old Testament. When you pay attention to the Old Testament, you see epiphanies, that is the appearance of Jesus Christ and even the workings of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. But the main person in the Godhead who was dealing with the people in the Old Testament was God the Father. When you move to the New Testament and you come to the Gospel, the main person in the Trinity who was dealing with the people at that time is Jesus Christ. 
But of course, you see God's workings and you see the workings of the Holy Spirit even at that time when Jesus Christ was on earth here and was living with the people. Now, after Jesus Christ died and resurrected and went back to the Father, he left us with the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And understanding this makes it very, understanding this is very important as to where you place the Holy Spirit in your life. If you understand that we live in that in a dispensation of the Holy Spirit where Jesus Christ left us. He left us, uh, he left the Holy Spirit, that, that the Holy Spirit should be in charge of us. He left us with the Holy Spirit. He, told, he promised the disciples that I'm not going to leave you as orphans, but I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to come to you. Just like the Father sent the Son, Jesus Christ spoke to the Father, prayed to the Father, and the Father sent the Holy Spirit to live with us. So when in the Old Testament, all of them were looking forward to one promise, and that is the promise of the Messiah. And when the Messiah came, that was a fulfillment of the promise that they had. And so in the book of Acts, when the Holy Spirit came, that was also a fulfillment of the promise and the prophecy that Jesus Christ gave to his disciples. As many people did not know how to handle Jesus Christ during his earthly ministry on earth, and even religious people opposed him at that time, and people opposed him thinking that they were doing God a favor, thinking that they were still trying to um, follow the laws of God. I think that I believe that even in this dispensation, it is the same thing that is happening to us, that we have the presence of the Holy Spirit, but we do not know how to handle the Holy Spirit. Most of us believers do not know what we are supposed to do with the presence of the Holy Spirit. We boast that, yes, the Holy Spirit is with us, that God has given us his Holy Spirit as a seal. But what are we supposed to do with the presence of the Holy Spirit? The Bible has told us that we are supposed to be in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. We have received the love of God. We have received the grace of God. But fellowship takes participation. It takes your participation. It takes the participation of the Holy Spirit. And this is one important key that we have to unlock as believers. Because for us to fulfill the fullest of our potentials, the participation and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit cannot be overemphasized. It's so important. If we'll be able to fulfill our potentials as Christians, then the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is very, very important. And first of all, it comes by understanding that the Holy Spirit is not wind. He's not fire. He's not water. He's not a dove. But he's a person. When you understand that you have another person who is constantly with you, and the reason why he's with you is so that he will have fellowship what ways, what are the things that we are doing in our daily lives to have fellowship with the person of the Holy Spirit who is constantly with us, who Jesus Christ has left us. He said he will be with us forever. If this person of the Godhead is with us, do we, what do we do with his presence? So one, we are discussing the person of the Holy Spirit. And the first point is the Holy Spirit has a will. I believe that we mentioned this last week. And from 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4, the Bible says, There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. Take note of the places that I've highlighted yellow. 
by their diversities of gift, but the same spirit. There are differences of ministry, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activity, it, but it is the same God. When the Bible uses this spirit to represent the Holy Spirit, Lord and God, it is not just a play. It's not just a play of words. But he is actual. He means what he is saying. He's telling us something that there are diversities of gifts, but it is the same spirit. There are diversities of ministries, but it's the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it's the same God. The Bible tells us that when Christ ascended up on high, he gave gifts to men. And the gifts that Jesus Christ gave to men, these are their ministerial gifts. So the Bible says there are differences of ministries, but it's the same Lord. There are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. The gift are given by the Spirit, and there are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. So you see that the Trinity works together. The Trinity works together. And one of the things that I want to mention here is that the Trinity all respond to the name of Jesus Christ. They all respond to the name of Jesus Christ. Because the Bible says God has given Jesus a name that is above every other name. That are the mention of the name of Jesus every new birth. So Jesus has earned the name. So when you say in the name of Jesus, all the Trinity responds to that name. Amen. The name Jesus was only given to Jesus Christ when he came here on earth. The name that he had had from the beginning of creation is that he is called the word of God. So... When you read Genesis, when you read John chapter 1, the Bible says, And the Word became flesh. So then his actual name from beginning and even to the end, when you read Revelations, you see that his name is the Word of God. But his earthly name is Jesus Christ. The Bible says he is and that name. And at the mention of that name, Jesus Christ, every, God has given him that name that is above every other name. So when you read in um Isaiah, he says, unto us, a, um, a child is born, unto us a son is given. His, nun, his name shall be Counselor, Comforter, his name shall upon his God. So he gives us the names of Jesus Christ. And his earthly name when he was finally born. When the angel came to visit Mary, he said, he shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. So his earthly name was Jesus Christ. But his name from beginning is the word of God. That's just by the way. The Bible says, By the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, descending of Spirit. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So the Bible here is telling us that the Holy Spirit distributes the gifts as he wills. So the Holy Spirit has a will. And based on what his will from this text, he distributes the gifts to people as he wills. So the Holy Spirit has a will. Water does not have a will. Wind does not have a will. Fire does not have a will. So these things are not the Holy Spirit. They are symbols of the Holy Spirit as we see in, in, the, in scriptures. But that is not the Holy Spirit. For the Holy Spirit to have a will, the Bible refers to us as 
um, the Bible explains to us that he is a person. And the Bible uses the pronoun he so many times when he's talking about the Holy Spirit. So he says, but one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one as he wills. So the Holy Spirit has a will. Now, the next thing is that the Holy Spirit speaks and the Holy Spirit hears. And so you have the Holy Spirit with you. He hears you. He hears what God says and he speaks. And so if the Holy Spirit who you are in constant fellowship with hears and speaks as well. The question we have to decode is why are we not hearing him? If he hears and if he speaks, then why are we not hearing him speak? In Acts chapter 8 verse 29, the Bible says that then the Spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake. So the Spirit actually spoke to Philip and told him to go near. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit spoke to Philip and Philip heard him. So the Holy Spirit speaks. A bird, a dove does not speak, but we know that the Holy Spirit speaks. And if the Holy Spirit speaks, then he is a person. In John chapter 16 verse 13, the Bible says, however, this, when he, again, pointing us to the fact that that is a person, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of his own. So the Bible here, again, is telling us that the Holy Spirit speaks, but he will not be speaking of his own authority. But whatever he hears, so the Holy Spirit hears. So whatever he hears, he will speak. So the Holy Spirit will hear God say something, and then he will speak those things to us. So he will tell us the things to come. So the from, from this text, we know the Holy Spirit will speak, but he will not speak of his own authority. He, but whatever he hears, so the Holy Spirit hears from this text as well. And then he will tell us things. So right now, one of the things that the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives is that he's telling us things. Why don't we hear the things that he tells us? One time I was meditating on why we don't hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. And one of the things that was revealed to me as I'm, as I'm meditating is we don't spend time listening. If you don't spend time listening, how are you going to hear? So even when we are praying, we praying prayer is supposed to be communication. But we pray, we pray, we pray, we say all that we have to say. And when we, as soon as we say amen, we move on to the next thing. So we don't actually spend time hearing and so if you are wondering sorry we don't spend time listening and so if you are wondering why you don't hear the voice of the holy spirit ask yourself how much time do you spend listening to the voice of the holy spirit and one of the things that came to me yesterday as i was meditating i'm going to share at the end of the at the end of this message as well so we need to spend time listening set time aside put away your phones put away everything See, this is the time I want to listen to the Holy Spirit. One of the struggles that I have, and I believe a lot of people have, is how do you quiet your spirit? How do you silence the voice, your own voice, to be able to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit? And the answer that I got to that is, it comes to, through training. You have to train yourself to silence your voice. And there's no training that is easy. Every training <laughs> takes some pain. You'll feel like you are frustrated. You want to give up. But we have to train ourselves 
to the place where we can keep quiet. You see, as long as we train ourselves to listen to him in silence, that is when we can master listening to or hearing him in the noise. We can hear him in the noise once we are able to identify his voice in the silence. But the voice that we have not learned to identify in silence, it will be difficult for us to identify that voice in the midst of all the noise <clears throat> that is going on. And so we first of all have to practice hearing him in silence, and then we can hear him in the midst of the noise. It takes time to have fellowship with anyone. If you are going out with somebody, you spend a lot of time with that person because you want to know the person. That is the time that you get to know the person. And so if you want to know the Holy Spirit, it comes through spending time with him to know him. So the Holy Spirit speaks. The Holy Spirit hears. So <clears throat> um, water does not hear, fire does not hear, fire does not speak, wind does not speak, but the Holy Spirit hears, the Holy Spirit speaks. The Holy Spirit has intelligence. And we can tell from the book of Acts. I believe it's Acts chapter 16, verse 6. Now, when he had gone to Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. So the Holy Spirit stopped them, forbid them from speaking the word of God in Asia. After, after they had come to Mysia, they tried to go into Britannia, but the Holy Spirit did not permit them. So passing to Mysia, they came down to Troas. So the Holy Spirit was leading the people to where they are supposed to go. This is somebody, this is a person who is intelligent. For him to know that this is not the time for you to go to this place. You are not supposed to go to this place. So the, when Paul and the other people were paying attention to the voice of the Holy Spirit, they realized that the Holy Spirit forbid them from going to preach in Asia. And they tried to go to Mysia. The Holy Spirit did not permit them, but directed them to a particular place where they were supposed to go. And when you read this further... Paul had a dream of a man of Macedonia calling them, saying, come over to Macedonia and come and help us. And from that time, from that dream, he perceived that the Holy Spirit wanted them to go into Macedonia. So obviously, when the Holy Spirit did not want, to go, want, did not want them to go to a particular, a particular place, he communicated that to them. This is an intelligent being who is leading the people of God to where they are supposed to be and where they are supposed to go at a particular time. So the Holy Spirit is intelligence. Just a recap of the things that we have touched on. The Holy Spirit has a will. The Holy Spirit can speak. The Holy Spirit can hear. The Holy Spirit has intelligence. He can make intelligent decisions. Now, the Holy Spirit can be resisted. The Holy Spirit can be resisted. We can resist the workings of the Holy Spirit. We can reject the workings of the Holy Spirit. Now, some people will say that, Oh, when God wants to do something, nobody can stop him. When we say we can resist the Holy Spirit, it does not mean that we can stand in the way of God when God wants to do um, when God wants to do something, it does not mean that we have the power to stand or to oppose God, but we can resist him, we can stop quench the work that he's doing in our lives. And we can see that from the from the Bible. In Isaiah chapter 63, verse 10. The Bible says, but they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit. Therefore, he turned himself to become their enemy. He fought against them. In, in, in Acts chapter 7, verse 51, 
This is Stephen, and he was trying to reach out to the people, the Jewish people. He says, "You men who are stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears are always resisting the Holy Spirit. You are just doing. You are doing just as your fathers did." So talking to the Jewish people, he says, "You are resisting the Holy Spirit by not accepting the Word of God, by not accepting the promised Messiah who has died and resurrected." Stephen was telling the Jewish people, "You are resisting the Holy Spirit." This indicates to us that the Holy Spirit can be resisted. We can resist the Holy Spirit. Another thing is that we can grieve the Holy Spirit. Grief is. Is has has to do with emotions, our emotions, and so if we can grieve the Holy Spirit or cause the Holy Spirit to be sorrowful or to be sad, then it means that there are things that we can do. Do not focus on the negative alone, but focus on the fact that there are things that we can do that the Holy Spirit will be excited. As children of God, if we can make the Holy Spirit sorrowful, then we can make Him joyful as well. There are things that we can do to make Him joyful. Then it means the Holy Spirit has emotions. All the objects that are being used to represent the Holy Spirit do not have emotions, but the Holy Spirit has emotions. And so the Holy Spirit is a person; He is the third person in the Godhead. And being the third person in the Godhead does not mean that He is least in rank. We have seen in Scripture that the Godhead can exist simultaneously when. During the baptism of Jesus Christ, the voice that came from came from above was the voice of the Father, and they saw the Holy Spirit descend like a dove, and they saw Jesus. We saw Jesus Christ standing in the water to be baptized, and so the Trinity can exist simultaneously. And even during the stoning of Stephen, Stephen says, "I see Jesus Christ, the Son of Man, stand at the right hand side of God." So he could identify. The Son of Man standing at the right hand side of God, you will identify God, and so he saw at least two people in the Trinity. The Bible tells us that at the point where Stephen was speaking, he was filled with the Holy Spirit, and so he had the Holy Spirit filling his heart. But he saw the second person in the Trinity, and he saw the first person in the Trinity, and so they can exist simultaneously. So the Holy Spirit can be grieved. The Bible says that let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to your hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And so we should not do things that grieve the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit is our seal. For the day of redemption, the Holy Spirit has emotions. If we can grieve the Holy Spirit, then there are things that we can do to bring joy to the Holy Spirit. And one thing that we have to know is that they work in unity. It's not like one at a point God wants something, and then the Son also wants a separate thing, and the Holy Spirit wants a separate separate thing where there will be conflict. But they work together in unity. They have the same agenda, and they are working together in unity. At every point in time, the will of the Father is the will of the Son, and the will of the Son is the will of the Spirit. 
at every point in time. They work together in unity. The other thing we can learn about the Holy Spirit through Scripture is that the Holy Spirit can be quenched. The Bible says that do not quench the Spirit. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19 to 22. Verse, sorry, verse 19 says that do not quench the Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit can be quenched. It means you can put the Holy Spirit, you can, if the Holy Spirit is excited about doing something in your life there are things that you can do that will just put off the holy spirit that will just stop the activity of the holy spirit and i've seen this happen in services where things are done that will just quench the flow of the spirit you've been in services where you see somebody falling under the power of the spirit even when nobody has touched them but that indicates to us that there is the presence of the Holy Spirit in that service. And he himself is touching men. And he himself is manifesting himself in that service without the initiation of any man. The Holy Spirit can be quenched. There are things that we do that quench, will quench the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life. Now this is going to be our last slide for today. The Bible says the Holy Spirit is the author of scripture. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete through thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, the one who wrote the scriptures is the Holy Spirit. He's the author of of the scripture he inspired people and they wrote he inspired men and so you have the bible the books of the bible that are named after people the entities or the earthly entities who wrote them but the bible was actually written by the holy spirit he's the author of the bible now just like you buy any book from any bookstore you want to enter into the mind of the author of the book. You want to know what the author thinks about a particular issue. And so whenever you buy a book written by any person and you read it, you are having fellowship with that person. You are entering into that person's wealth. You are entering into that person's understanding. And understanding, and, and you are learning to un, you are learning from that person's wealth to understand the way he does things concerning a particular thing or, the, or his views concerning a particular thing. And so when you buy a book and you read, you are having fellowship with the person. The person could be thousands of miles away from you. But as you are reading the book, you are having access to the person's thoughts. You are having access to the person's opinions, access to the person's knowledge about certain things. If the Holy Spirit is the author of the Bible, when we read the Bible, we are having fellowship with the Holy Spirit. When we read the Bible, we are entering into the mind of the Holy Spirit and seeking out ways that the Holy Spirit sees things. And so one of the steps towards having fellowship with the Holy Spirit is spending time with the book that he has written, which is the Bible. So one of the ways of having fellowship with the Holy Spirit is reading the Bible. Because the Bible was written by the Holy Spirit. As we read the Bible, we are having fellowship with the Holy Spirit. We are communicating with the Holy Spirit. We are entering into the mind and the thoughts of the Holy Spirit to understand His perspective concerning things.
And so when men wrote the Bible, the Holy Spirit inspired them to write the Bible. One of the first steps towards having fellowship with the Holy Spirit is reading the book that he has written. A book that he has been handed over to us, which is the Bible. The Bible says that all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. It is through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that scripture was written. Fill yourself with the words that have been written by the Holy Spirit. Fill your heart with the words that have been written by the Holy Spirit. Spend time. Practice the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Practice it. The fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Because God found it fit to leave the Holy Spirit with us here on earth. As his represent, as his representation here on earth. So when God said, I am with you always, or I will be with you always. He allowed the Holy Spirit to be that form, that person who is going to be with us always. So one of the main points that I wanted to establish today is that all the various objects that are to be used to, to represent the Holy Spirit, because he has manifested himself in those ways to us in the past, as we seen as we have seen in scripture does not mean that those are the things that he is but the holy spirit is a person he's the third person in the godhead and being the third person in the godhead does not mean that he is least in rank but he is god and has all the attributes of god and therefore we should know that god is with us Every hour of the day is with us and he desires fellowship and we have to stay in fellowship with him. God bless you so much for listening. Shall we pray? Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for the opportunity to be here. Holy Spirit, thank you for your presence with us. We pray in the name of Jesus that what we have discussed today will be a foundation. We want to experience you, Lord. We want to know you more that we will have experiential knowledge of who you are. Father, we pray that our lives every day will be filled with your fellowship, that you reveal yourself to us. Help us to understand your participation in our life. Help us to understand your fellowship in our lives. Reveal this, this deep revelation and mystery to us. May we walk in this understanding, Lord. May we know of your presence. May we be sensitive to your presence. May we be more aware of your presence with us every day. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you.